Hello and welcome to another episode of How to Rock Virtual Engagements. I've got an old friend on today. His name is Robert Bruce. He has three decades of enterprise software sales and marketing. He's worked for Schlumberger, Oracle, Broadvision, and many other early stage fails, mediocres, and rocket ships. Fun fact, he's a mountaineer and rock climber. At the moment, he doesn't have a job because he's on sabbatical in the Scottish Highlands somewhere at a secret destination. But his last job was VP of Marketing. Welcome, Rob. How's it going? It's going great, thank you. Yeah, I was VP of Marketing at Kimball, um, ah. which is a Salesforce application uh, software company. Okay, cool. And I just want to ask for our listeners out there, you must have the coolest Scottish name out there, Robert Bruce. Is that, is that inspiration from the real Rob Bruce? Um, well, he, he was 700 years ago, you may remember. So yes. uh, there's not, I, I can't claim a direct connection. <laughs> Funny enough, my, my dad is English, actually, but had the name Bruce. Um, okay. So, uh, look, I haven't looked into it. Um, it's a cool name. I like it. Yeah, no, it is, it is cool. I remember when I used to work with you, I used to call you Robert the Bruce, but I, I won't do that now. Well, so, I'm, I can still, still keep trying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what are you doing now? You're just uh, chilling out in the Scottish Highlands. I am doing some sort of uh, <clears throat> self-study. Right. Um, um, I'm investigating, uh, I think, called systems thinking. Right. I'm doing. I'm pedaling my bicycle really hard. Um, did four thousand feet of ascent in a three-hour ride yesterday. Okay. And um, yeah, no, I'm um, looking after my well-being. Good, 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 good. After many years in B2B technology sales. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. And well, sales, <clears throat> actually, I sort of did, I, I actually did pre-sales, uh, then sales, then marketing, and then a lot of sales, and then back to marketing. Okay. Um, so I think, I, I mean, I, I think one of the things that many people would say about me is that I'm a kind of funny blend of real sales and real marketing. You know, I'm, I'm interested in models and strategy and markets. Um, but also I've just got a tremendous amount of experience of actually flogging stuff to people. Um, and you know, um, and carrying a number. Okay. And how do you think, uh, you know, you're a systems guy, a systems thinker. I've always uh, liked the way that you think. How do you think this new dawn that has just been thrust upon us is going to affect businesses, you know, trying to get business, going out there, hunting, uh, marketing, the whole, the whole range of things. How, how do you think that's going to affect businesses from when this lockdown ends? Um, well, it's going to affect some businesses, uh, worse than others frankly and um you know i think uh one of the things that's been part of my study at the moment is kind of economic models mm -hmm. and uh i now sort of understand for example why uh the world economy cycles um and essentially a real world uh modeling systems modeling um, of, of what's going on under these circumstances is, 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 a, is a blend of reinforcing and balancing feedback loops. And that's precisely what causes the oscillation, et cetera. But the, the simplest point to make about this is that our minds are kind of linear, whereas the mm. world is, is non-linear and complex. And therefore our desire to see kind of cause and effect um, and, and to match up and say, this is what the future is going to look like, um, it is, 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 a, is a human thing. It's to do with our linear way of thinking. And yeah. non, the non-linear real world doesn't behave like that. So unfortunately, your question is wrong. Um, okay. 
Alistair. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's it's quite all right. <laughs> but in terms of your experience, let's get back to your specific experience. Discovery calls. I know that you have some some ideas and some specifics around that. And specifically, if we think about the show and what we're talking about, virtual discovery calls, how do you think people can really make those pop or work for them in today's new new reality? Well, I'm, I, you know, I've, I've, um, <clears throat> I'm keen uh, to sort of go through a number of aspects of that. Um, I think really, uh, when we first discussed this, the thing that came out of it is the thing that comes out of it for everyone, which was when I said discovery call, you said qualification call. And, the, and really the central initial point that I want to make is perspective is extremely important here. Mm -hmm. So if you call it a qualification call, that makes it about you, the salesperson, uh, and it shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so it should be about discovering what's going on with the customer. Yeah. Right. I, I, mm -hmm. I mean, if, if, if people switch off after this, then that's what they should know. So this, this, this potential confusion, uh, I think is very important. And I, you know, I, I want people to really appreciate, um, the importance of empathy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, when I, I've done lots of the sort of discovery call thing over a long period of time, but in particular, thinking about Kimball, I was at Kimball for eight years. Mm -hmm. And we were doing that kind of classic, uh, you know, enterprise software product sales thing. It's actually a SaaS product, but we're, we're doing that thing where um, uh, we were dashing to the demo, right? Um, and what would happen is, someone get in touch through the, the business development function. Someone would get in touch and we'd go, oh, great. When are you available for a demo? And we'd go and do a demo for them. Yeah. And quite often those demos were virtual engagements too. Yep. Um, but after a while, we really noticed that we got stuck in blind alleys. Yep. Because we had made a set of assumptions about the way that the customer's business worked. Which were wrong. Uh -huh. We were selling in Kimball. We we sell operational application software to um, consulting organizations, essentially, that both independent consulting organizations, pure services businesses, but also the consulting organizations within product-led companies. In any case, we kept on getting stuck in the demo, so we re-engineered our process to have like a half-hour call before uh -huh. the demo. To find out some basic stuff about what was going on so that we wouldn't go barreling into some kind of presentation about how important utilization was when this particular client didn't have any employed resources they were all contractors in which case utilization wasn't relevant to them yeah mm -hmm. and we get really stuck so so that's so so that was that was what gave rise to it at Kimball but then over six or seven years we we, we really started to kind of hone what we were doing mm -hmm. and this is where I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to take you back to uh, the customer's perspective because a lot of salespeople wanted to call this process a qualification call. Right. Um, and I, I, I take it, Alice, you've done this kind of thing. Haven't you? You've done these preliminary calls. It's typically one or two people from a, from a yep. prospect yourself yep. and maybe one other. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And have you yep. seen them as qualification calls? Have I, sorry, say that again. Have you seen them as qualification calls? Yeah, I guess, I think back in the day when I worked for Oracle, even for Akella, you know, you did, you, you got the qualification, maybe you did the qualification with a pre-sales or a technical sales consultant. It was, a, it was a conference call. But I remember back in the day, you know, we, as you say, we were trying to get customers on a demo and we were even incentivized that way like how many demos have you done how many show and tells <laughs> you know if you want because you know that was kind of a metric of success you know once you've shown them the software then logically they're going to go oh wow that's amazing i'll buy it and uh 
so yeah, it was qualification and then quick demo. That's, that, was, that was how we were kind of programmed. Right, so, so, so the vendor is trying to put the prospect through their process. Yeah. So have you been on the other side where you've been qualified? How, how did it feel to be qualified? Yeah, I've done that a few recently, actually, with my business. And yeah, it, it, it feels very much like an interrogation, I have to say, sometimes, you know, people are uh, a pre-sales or an inside salesperson is running, clearly running through a script. And, uh, you know, they've got certain markers they have to hit or certain points they need to know. And then they're like, you know, then, then you're going to the next stage of this sausage in the sausage machine process. Yeah. And the bottom line is it doesn't feel very nice. <laughs> no, right? it doesn't no. really feel about me. And yeah. th these, these vendor people have got this band thing, you know, where they're looking for, you know, budget authority need and time scale. Yeah. yeah. And, and you have to answer all of these questions and then they let you, so it's like, it's like they're gatekeepers. Yes. You know? Yeah. It doesn't feel nice. Yeah. So my point is in 2020, you don't need to do that band stuff at this stage. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because, because the prospect comes through BD or maybe even you've kind of gone outbound or something like this, you know, they're qualified. Yeah. Because you can go and look, you can go and look them up on LinkedIn or you can go and look up their company. You got a pretty good idea about mm -hmm. whether or not these people have a set of problems which is like the problems that you solve. Yeah. Yep. You yep. can make a judgment about whether there's authority, but in actual fact, the chances are that the person who's coming to you doesn't have authority because they've been asked by the person who's got Correct. authority to go and ask. Yeah? Correct. Correct. They're probably really not very clear about what their need is because if they're smart, they're doing something which is explorative and they're going, look, I've got this business challenge, but I'm looking around for vendors who can help me address that. So yep. maybe need is a bit, and, they almost certainly will not have a, a time scale or budget because they're investigating. So this bad thing is a load of crap yeah. and it's all about the vendor and you don't need to do it. Okay. Okay. And it makes the buyer feel bad. Okay. Uh -huh. And actually how they feel matters. So my recommendation is don't do qualification calls. Because also it do destroys. On you go. Sorry to interject there because you're talking about empathy and all of these cool things that I agree. But if you feel like you are being interrogated by the FBI in this buying process, it destroys trust. It destroys that connection, that rapport. And what you need is connection rapport. You need a, a champion inside that business who is now looking. They need to feel like they like you and trust you because if they can get that done, then you can really, they'll open up a bit more, perhaps if they know. Exactly right. Okay. And, and, and there's, a, there's an old phrase here, which is you only get one chance to make a first impression. Okay. Yeah. You know, so, so actually, if you behave a bit like an asshole, who's got a form that, that says things like how many business units have you got and how many users would you have? Yeah. Yeah. Then you're just being annoying because actually it's perfectly reasonable for the prospect to say, well, I, I mean, what do you mean by business unit? Yeah. Or I don't know how many users I need because we haven't even begun to discuss my problem or, or your software and, and how it might get used. So it's just, it's just very vendor centric, centric crap this. And, and it's a really good way. Qualification calls are a really good way of starting off on the wrong foot with a potential buyer. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so, so what, so what then is a discovery call? Okay. Yep. So the actual purpose of, of this initial interaction is to get under the skin of the challenges that the buyer is facing, the challenges that have made them come to you in the first place. Yep. It's also a little bit, I mean, you could call this qualification, but it's, it's to 
you know, it, it's to understand whether we can help or more likely how we can help. Because at the end, the end of the day, qualification is something that professional salespeople need to do all of the time. Mm-hmm. But essentially, qualification is not about this um, DEF criteria. It's ultimately a professional decision that is being made by salespeople about whether we can sell a, a reasonable solution uh, at a reasonable cost of effort to us. Yeah. Yeah, but the other, the other really, really important point, and nobody gets this, <clears throat> is that the other point of the discovery call is to differentiate, yeah. because you only get one chance to make a first impression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, you know, so that that differentiation thing in our professional selling heads, what we're doing is. Well, we're going to go through this process and uh, we're, we're going to, you know, we're going to do the demo. We're going to, you know, identify the differentiators. We're going to ask for the exact meeting and the, the why us slide is going to appear in the exact meeting. Mm. But you have to get to the exact meeting. And actually this person that you're having this initial call with is having that initial call with lots of other vendors, probably actually too many. And here's, here's the deal. They can't remember who is who. Yeah. So if and all of these vendors that are having these initial calls with them are asking the same asshole questions, none of them will stick out. This is your chance to stick out. So let me put, let me put it to you this way. <clears throat> if you're going to stick out and you've got one chance to make a good impression, then probably you should try and, in my opinion, spend a bit more time at the connection, rapport, trust building stage before you get into the challenges and the differentiation. Because if you break it down to maybe, if you break this discovery call down into three, three stages, it would be trust, rapport, uh, empathy, you know, spending a lot of time there. And that is also a function of research and understanding that you're talking to Rob Bruce and Rob Bruce was the ex-VP of Kingbill. He likes the mountain bike. He likes to climb. Spending a lot of time there, really doing your homework, building the trust, building the empathy, then getting to the challenges, understanding what the challenges are. So it's all still about the client, all client, 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 client. And then at the end, you, you say, okay, but why us? This is why we're different. And hopefully if you've done all three of those stages correctly, you should stand out. Okay. Um, but how do you know what to say in the why us bit? Well, okay. You should know that if you know your product, if you know who you no, are. As it's a not business. about the product. It's, it's, it's about really understanding their needs. That's okay. how you differentiate. Okay. Yeah. And the thing Mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, what you said there was perfectly plausible, but I disagree with it. Which part? Because the bit about building the rapport. Okay. Because I think it is very important to build a rapport and to be Mm -hmm. a human being. Okay. Mm -hmm. But actually this isn't about building a relationship. What's going on is this buyer is speaking to maybe somewhere, probably if they're really, you know, maybe even between five and 10 different vendors, they're not ready to build a rapport. Okay. They don't know you. They don't know whether this call is even going to go further. This is not an appropriate time to build a rapport. Of course, we're going to be courteous. Yeah. And Mm. we're going to be human. And we might talk about what I did at the weekend, but not too much. Yeah. Because we need to get under the skin of the challenges that have sparked their interest. Yeah. We need to get right under the skin of it. Okay. Uh, uh, Because it's when we really get under the skin of it that um, a few things happen. One is much more importantly than having a nice oozy smoozy chat is that they, uh, that we ask them questions which people like. People like to be asked questions about their situation. And I don't just mean a couple of questions before I start talking about what's good about our, our, our software. I mean mm-hmm. lots of questions, okay? Mm-hmm. 
Um, the other thing is, and this is very important, is that in the sort of mode of a challenger seller, yeah, where, you know, the whole kind of thesis there is that back in the 90s when I was selling for Oracle, um, we were the arbiters of knowledge about our product. And, and, and we would sit between the, the prospect and the information about what our product is and, and, and we could decide what they got. Yeah. But now in the age of the internet, much more information is available. You can go to, you know, G2 review sites. Sure, sure, uh, you sure. can go to Glassdoor. You can, all, all of that stuff's available. You can look up who the reference customers are. You can get in touch with the people on LinkedIn. It's not yep. the same anymore. So actually the role of salespeople, in my view, needs mm -hmm. to be much more value adding. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're not, we're not just, we're, we're not just buying nice lunches. Yeah. What we're actually doing is we're matching up our understanding of this customer's particular uh, concerns and our understanding of the kind of probably the kind of business or the kind of industry that they're in with what's uniquely strong about our products. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and the way that we demonstrate that knowledge is by asking great questions. Not just asking great questions, but asking great questions about the answers that we got to previous questions. And then asking more questions about the answers that we got to those. Yeah. Because if you've got the skill to delve like that, then people know that you understand their domain. So how do you develop that delving questioning technique? Because obviously a lot of salespeople would have gone on trainings. They might've done spin selling. They might've done the challenger sale, which you referred to or read the challenger sale book. How do you develop those that delving empathetic curious questioning style and make it your own it takes two things alistair one is don't be an idiot and two <laughs> is be curious look you don't have to do too many of these calls before you kind of get the hang of you know in the world of kimball you know it was things like What's the split of fixed fee and time and materials business that you do? Yeah. Yeah. What, what's the, t you know, what's concerning you about the fixed price business? Mm -hmm. How variable is the profit on the projects that you do on a fixed price basis? Does a small group of the projects contribute to a massive amount of the potential loss making part of these fixed price projects. Yeah. It doesn't take you long to work that out, but be curious, actually just be earnestly interested in what's going on in their world because you're just doing that classic thing of, 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 I mean, it's almost like a kind of solution selling thing really is, is that you are, <clears throat> is that you're saying, what, what's the flow? Who's involved? Where are the pinch points? Who's impacted? What's the quantity of impact? And you just sort of go around like that. Okay. You but know? you're a, you're a systems thinker and obviously a deep thinker. If you're, if you're saying we need to understand the customer's challenges and then match those challenges with your unique differentiators or things that you do particularly well, do you think there's a system? Is there an, is it, or is it more of an attitude or is it an attitude of curiosity plus a, a, a kind of a system? You know, how, how can you distill Robert Bruce's discovery methodology? Is there a way to do this or is it just be curious? I'm going to stick with, I'm going to stick with be curious. Yeah? Okay. And learn fast, you know, because, because and the reason why I say that is because, Salespeople aren't good with systems, you know? Okay. They're kind of impatient and lazy and they are people, person, people, people, you know, and all that kind of thing. And they're risk takers, you know, and they're competitive. Yeah. And if you, if you make them go uh, ABC, follow the yeah. procedure on everything. Yeah. They, they won't. They yeah. won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, no, like, it's like I was saying with qualification earlier on, you know, actually... The reason why you hire these guys, pay them a lot of money, especially when they're successful, is because they've got good judgment. 
Yeah. So don't make it into a formula. Look, just be curious. I gave you, I, I, I gave you a simple kind of framing there, but it's not that hard. It's, no. It's, it's like, it's like, okay, tell me how you get a proposal out of your business. You say to the prospect, yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you resource someone? How, what, what's the sequence of events that resources someone onto a new project? When do you do it? Yeah. So, 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 so you're talking about a very, let's say it's the curiosity muscle, if we could use that metaphor. How do you develop that curiosity muscle? Is it a factor of what feeds into the curiosity muscle? Because, you know, for me, I, I am a, probably a salesperson. I've been a salesperson all my life, but I'm not very patient. That's probably one of the things that I don't have. I am quite empathetic, I would think. I'm very empathetic and I like to, I think I have a good understanding of seeing something from other person's point of view, but I'm not patient. So how do you get to that? How do you build that curiosity muscle? Well, I think, I, I think it's a combination of actually giving a shit about whether or not we sell an appropriate solution to the customer's problem. You know, I would say that that's certainly a driver for me. You know, yeah. I'm not interested in just, I mean, okay, I used the word flogging earlier on as a kind of half joke, but I'm, I'm actually interested in the long term personally in building relationships with people because the stuff that I sold them really works mm. and, um, uh, and they get great value from it. I mean, I, I, funny enough, you and I worked together at Rockella. Yep. I did millions and millions of pounds of business with a large bank. And uh, the head of software procurement invited me to his wedding. You know, now, we became friends, but that was partly off the back of the fact that it, you gave a he shit. Got, he got tremendous value from the services that we provided, and that I sold him sensible stuff in a sensible way. Mm. So I think I think that's I think that's I think that's one part of it, and and uh, you know. Um, especially in the smaller companies that I've worked, you know, for in the last sort of 15 years, you know, fewer than 250 people, quite often like 25 people, is that actually that does have to really matter. You selling stuff that actually, it, it, you know, is a good match for the customer's needs and you selling it in a way where they actually are able to exploit the value from it is a good policy because ultimately it will lead to a positive feedback loop uh, which is um, that your customers will become advocates and the advocates will bring in the prospects mm. or, or even just, you know, act as references. So I think this, this curiosity thing, you know, I, 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 I think there is another part of it, which is that you just have to zip it when you've got any temptation to volunteer product or offering features. Yeah. And, and that's a little bit of psychology here. And that's just to do with the fact that even although the buyer might seem to be able to cope with that at the moment, they can't. Yeah. Because what they're really doing is they're really just ringing around five or 10 vendors. Yeah. And if you, if you start to feature dump on them at that stage when they haven't even kind of seen what it is, then it will just bewilder them. They will make no sense out of it at all. Mm, mm. You know, I'm just going to remind you all of the time that I've spent in marketing recently, we've, we've spent a lot of money and we've, we've built some great relationships with suppliers. But as you go through the procurement process, one of the things that I kept find surprising was that I couldn't remember which of the options were which. Mm, mm. I couldn't remember which guy was from which vendor and which was the thing that we liked about what they did. Because mm. when you're dealing with five or 10 things, you've got the schedule of meetings and it's not the only thing that you're doing. It's just incredibly difficult to remember. So resist the temptation to feature dump because it will only obfuscate and confuse. And most importantly, it will distract you from being curious and getting under the skin of the challenges that have sparked their interest. Yeah. It reminds me, it, 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 it seems to me that it's an attitude, but it's also something that you can practice and develop. I'm thinking of uh, specific acting 
exercises, particularly with um, impromptu comedy. Um, you know those guys, those troops that go on stage and then they ask for an object, uh, a place and a time, and they, they basically play off each other. What's the what's mm -hmm. the specific terminology? It's um, impromptu comedy. Improv. 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 Exactly. Improv. Now the rules of improv are: if I say this is a yellow banana, and if I say this is a pink gorilla, you must absolutely go with the fact that it's a pink gorilla. You can't go, no, it's not a pink gorilla. It's actually a blue gorilla. You got to see how this thing develops and goes. So, what I'm saying is that kind of attitude of if the client says X just keep going with x resist the temptation to say it's y well the, the, the thing is the t the really tempting thing to do yeah is uh to go um uh so um is utilization of your staff uh, a, a challenge for you and the customer says yes, and you go, "Oh boy, have we got, have we got some stuff?" You know, and it's like, what that, what that conveys to them is that you're not actually interested in what they're saying. Yeah. Mm. So, but if, but if they say, if they say yes, it is, and you go, "Well, is that everywhere, or is it just in specific places?" Yeah. Mm. And 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 what is it? Uh, what is it that you feel is a challenge? Is it like, is it a sort of, is it a delay to get people resourced or, or, how, you know, when you're, when you're out looking at options here, what are you looking for in terms of things that could really make a big difference to how it works for you? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Just keep asking questions. Don't make statements. And if you're doing this over a telephone, or over a Zoom call or a Google Hangouts or whatever the case might be, I would say that you probably have to dial up your listening skills quite considerably to look out for those things that the customer is saying. And they're saying, we've got a problem with resources. What do you mean by that? So you, you're picking up on certain things because you have to, because you're on the telephone or you're on a virtual thing. You need to really dial up that listening like more than if you were face to face. Yeah, and look, it, it, this is how to rock a virtual engagement, right? Because ninety-five percent of the other people aren't doing that. Okay, ninety-five mm. percent of the other vendors that they're speaking to aren't doing that. Ninety-five percent of the other vendors are spewing this kind of feature stuff at them all the time. Whereas what you're aiming for is the crystalline moment where you ask them a question that they find really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You ask them a question that makes them think, shit, that actually is really interesting. I don't know. Hmm, I wonder if it's that. And that feeling that they get when you mm. ask them that question, that's how they remember you. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, you've stirred something inside of them and they go, wow, you know, you've taken the well, time. It's, it's, it's not, that's just not, that's not rapport. That's actually, you yeah. know, that's someone who is conveying a kind of non-verbally that they're really genuinely interested in what's going on with you and getting right under the skin of it to the point where you go, my God, yeah, look, you know, I tell you what, I think what's going on here is that I've got this big revenue leakage problem because um, people, you know, people aren't filling out the timesheets correctly. Yeah. You know, there's no, you know, <clears throat> there's no correspondence between, uh, there's no real evaluation between what they were meant to be doing that week and what they actually did that week. And of course, if I really understood what the relationship was, then I would be able to, that then that would be the lever that I could pull to solve my revenue leakage problem. Yeah. And yeah. when they start to talk like that, then, then the bit that you clinch them with at the end of the call, which is, look, that thing that you said about revenue leakage, we're the only vendor in the marketplace 
that offers up every time sheet user a way of comparing what they were meant to do with what they've actually done. Yeah. Mm. You, you totally got them. They, they are buying from you after the first half hour. Yeah. Mm. You've just gone straight to the top of their list because all of the other assholes are doing budget authority need. Yes. Yes. I see your point. Yeah. Don't follow the process. Really just get deep dive. Be curious. If they say something that is interesting, delve in, delve in, delve in, deep dive, really deep dive and get down to the real nitty gritty. What if the person you're speaking to doesn't know all this information? What if the person you're speaking to is a junior who's just been sent out on an errand to go and get some quotes or whatever? You know, how do you deal with that? You are such a perfect stooge, Alistair. That is just like the, that is the perfect question. Well, what you do is you say, well, hey, why don't we set up a different discovery call with the person that does know the answer to that question? And if they don't, then they're not serious. Well, you know, look, number one, it's a great way of working your way across and up the organization because the chances are it's a goer that's been told to call you in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Number two, when you're selling complicated stuff, it's actually this whole kind of idea that we're going to do like a 90 minute demo and everyone's going to see everything that they've got. That's nonsense because the majority of kind of ERP sales involve lots of different stakeholders from different functions and they're only in, in, interested in their stuff. So ideally, actually, by the time you get to the demo, with a large opportunity, what you've done is you've done discovery calls with stakeholders from all of the key functions. Yeah, They've worked out that you're genuinely interested in solving the problem. They've worked out that you've got you know, domain knowledge so that mm. you're a credible vendor. And, and, and actually, you've had the opportunity to clinch each one of them with a why us uh, kind of thing. So okay. that when you go into the demo, people aren't sitting there with a kind of blank sheet. They're actually going... Well, I already know this thing solves my problem. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, differentiates and the people that are selling it aren't assholes. So let's talk about logistics of this discoveries call. You set this call up with uh, the the well, the the client calls in and says, "I want to know more about your software X Y Z." You say, "Cool." Let's block out an hour. Do you block out half an hour? Or do you block out an hour? Because obviously people are very busy. Do you set the expectation? I would that, block that, out an hour. But yeah. if it goes well, it would take longer. Right. Okay. So you say it's going to be an hour. It's not a half an hour, right? Because a lot of people go. Oh, no, oh. actually, sorry. What I meant to say was I would block out half an hour. Uh, right. I would block out half an hour. I mean, if there was one person, it would definitely be half an hour. Right. Um, okay. I would definitely say it was going to be half an hour because that's the sort of amount of time that people can give up free. You know, sure. that's like, that's okay. Yeah, but if they're if you're asking good questions and they're discovering stuff, they'll they'll push it on or they'll say, no. "Look, we didn't have time to finish that. Let's have another one." No, no, sure. And do you do you say, "Look, we can you think about these questions beforehand? Do you give them an idea about what kind of things you're going to be asking, or do you go into the call and then you're just asking questions? Do you give them a some some opportunity to to prepare? Um. My experience is making them prepare is too hard. And at the, you know, what characterizes the stage that they're at of their procurement process is it's very low commitment. So mm. they don't want homework off people that they haven't qualified in or not, you know, mm. from their point of view. Um, so I wouldn't do, what I did find, what us as, we as a team found helpful is if you just got like a really simple diagram, like a kind of flow of, <clears throat> this is roughly what your business looks like. You know, you have to find customers, you have to do proposals, you have to win those proposals, you have you have to resource people onto it, you have to deliver, you know, if you just got some sort of like 10 point sketch of what their business looks like and you might uh, have what we actually did was we sort of shaded out about three or four areas there and said, mm -hmm. look, let's just cover each of those areas at a time. You know, how do you win business? How do you initiate projects? Um, how do you deliver and build them? Yeah, okay. and then we would, and that would give them some sort of notional sort of navigational space within which to work. So, 
bringing this back to a virtual, would you do, you put the webcam on, you say, okay, this is me, I'm Rob, how's it going, blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's maybe do a whiteboard and this is how I understand your business works. Correct me if I'm wrong, you've got this and you've got that, X, Y, and Z. Customer maybe could get involved and then join and say, no, no, actually our data center is not in the US, it's in Europe. Uh, we've got these distributed things. Do you make it an, uh, so I guess where I'm going with this is, 10 years ago, this would have been a 30 minute verbal only call where they couldn't see you. Whereas now you can make them see you. Plus we can do some things on the call, which are participatory and are kinetic where they have to do something. And it's, it's, it gets, it gets them, you know, thinking and doing a bit more. So on your points there, I would definitely switch the video on if they're up for it because that yep. massively improves rapport. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Yes, you can use, you know, share screen visual aids, but do not overcomplicate it and do not pontificate or lecture. Yeah, it's yep. just a way of doing. And, and then in terms of the protocol of the thing, yes, do your pleasantries, but bear in mind, this is low commitment. They don't know you from Adam, so don't overdo it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You then say, this is the purpose of the call. The purpose of the call is for us to really understand how your business works and understand more about the challenges that you're facing so is that when it comes to us shaping a proposal or a demo or an offer we're going to really tailor that for your circumstances mm. yeah and we're going to save you time by helping you to get into the stuff that really differentiates us from the other offerings that are there and then basically just go into this delving thing you know understand the current state what are the processes who are the people what are the broken connections? What are the metrics? What are the objectives? And I think there was a point that you made earlier on, which is really, you, you know, you have to be um, polite. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, you can't go straight to, you can't go straight to, so um, uh, tell me what the profitability of your business is. Because people are just going, whoa, you know, <laughs> that's an inappropriate question. I, you know, I, you know, you have to earn the right to ask deeper questions yeah. by asking great questions about their current state and the mechanics and for them to kind of warm to you and go, actually, no, this guy really is interested and he's also knowledgeable. So yeah, I probably, I might just actually tell him what, uh, the, what the delivered profitability on those fixed price engagements is. Which uh, is, is kind of like your, your Gallic, it's proverb that you like, uh, say little, but say it well. Yeah. Although I'm not sure I've done that today. <laughs> no, but I guess what you're saying is, uh, again, like the three things that you would tell your 21-year-old younger self, what you wrote to me is be patient. And, and that's something that I struggle with. Be, be patient. Um, and I think that's a, that's a very important attitude to bring to this discovery call, you know, be curious, be patient. Those are the things, empathetic, curious, curiosity, patience. Those are our critical ingredients in this uh, discovery call goulash. Look, I, you know, I, I, I really, I really like what you're saying there. And uh, it's making me think about, you know, there's a lot of kind of really sort of macro, metaphors around uh sales and hunters yeah farmers and all yeah. that kind of stuff but you know what what you've made me think about uh, uh you know in the context of perhaps south africa or the difference between south africa and scotland and stuff like this is is if you look um at i, I once saw um Af african uh African wild dogs. I think that's, mm -hmm. it was, yeah, it was yep. just incredible. They were so clever. Yeah. So what they did was they, 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 there was an avenue of trees and what they did was they, they chased the antelope up and down. So there was one set of dogs at one end and another set of dogs at the other end, you know, and they just made the thing run up and down until it was exhausted and then they ate it. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> that's a patient and sophisticated approach okay yeah 
and sometimes you see you know leopards running like the clappers but not deciding which antelope to go after and then giving up and not getting anything and then sometimes you see the snake yeah which will look at the rodent coming across and it will watch it and watch it and watch it and watch it and then it will strike and it never misses okay yeah because it's patient Mm, mm, mm. yeah curiosity patience empathy these are kind of and i was talking to my last interview was the ceo of bapisa in south africa and they are the business process outsourcing custodian organization in south africa so basically if barclays bank wants to open up a contact center they might do it in south africa and they have four six hundred agents dealing with barclays customers in south africa and South Africa has done very well in the space. And he said that one of the things that the agents or the South Africans bring to the table in terms of an attitude or a feeling is empathy. Empathy is something that, you know, not, there wasn't that in the (laughs) eighties, maybe not even in the nineties, sort of coming in the two thousands. And now we're 2020, you know, there's a different way of doing things, a different way of selling. And, and I think what you're saying is that's coming through of that, that, that empathy, which would drive curiosity, which would also drive and, and foster patience. Well, think about the word, you know, you've got empathy, or you've got sympathy. Sympathy is where you know you're thinking about someone else in a sort of um, thoughtful uh, way. Empathy is where you're putting yourself in their shoes, yeah. Mm. And that's what I've been arguing for in the course of this. Yeah, no, I uh, I, I agree. And the funny thing, the funny thing about this, Rob, is. That over the last seven interviews, you're the eighth, the, that soft skill, that attitude, that feeling has come through every single call in this How to Rock Virtual Engagements. And to be honest, when I started this podcast, I was like, I mean, how deep can you go on this subject? I mean, really, you know, set up a webcam, open up Zoom, boom, away you go. You know, there's, there's so much more to it. To, to really make a good impression, to really, as you say, get those discovery calls going and, and differentiating yourself from the other hundred assholes out there trying to push their own agenda. Yes. Very interesting. So let's, uh, let's just step away from, from that. I think you've made some very valid points there and interesting ones. You do yoga daily. And how does that enhance your productivity or happiness? How, how did you get into yoga? Uh, I started doing Pilates uh, because, you know, in your 40s, I realized that looking after your core and things like that made a lot of sense. Actually, if you look at a real killer, you know, people talk about cancer and heart disease. Real killer is actually falling over. Old people fall over. Um, a lot and uh, that's not unconnected with uh, a lack of core strength so started with Pilates and then uh, when I moved to the United States I just went to yoga all the time like two three times a week and what I found was that it was pretty it was vinyasa flow and quite physically hard and what I found was that it just helped me um reflect and arrive at a more clear and true understanding of my actual situation so i so it makes it makes for better decisions because uh, instead of that kind of whirlwind of thoughts and paranoia and, mm. and, and what have you just you begin to settle in to real clarity about mm. uh, about what's really going on and what's important mm. Mm. Uh, so literally by not thinking uh, you think uh, in a much clearer way you get yeah. much closer to reality yeah as i told you as well i'm i've i agree with that 100 percent. i've started doing meditation again and they talk about equanimity and 
you know, all of these practices of yoga, meditation, breathing, they free up your processing units inside your brain. They calm you down. They, they, they make you more, dare I say it, <laughs> empathetic. They make you definitely more patient. And all of these things kind of combined together, they do, they do make a difference in the way that you approach things. And yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how the mind works and all of these things feed off each other and how less is more and, and how they, they, they really do give a better stillness in your mind. We're, we're total slaves to our primitive uh, minds, you know, and, and uh, uh, understanding that is point number one and, 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 and ideally being able to let go of some of the stuff that we become um, sort of panic stricken or flight or flight or fight about is um, is actually not only not only leads to um, a more balanced and happy consciousness, but but also actually might even might even help you get more of what you want, a more effective life, if you like. Yeah, yeah, make. The other first, put the other first, and then you get you get much more back. I wrote a I wrote an op-ed or, or a piece on on LinkedIn, and I called it sales kindness, because what I found was particularly on LinkedIn that a lot of people were still in this mindset of sell, 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 sell. Like a, you know, they'll do, they'll send you a connection request and then you accept and then they go, Hey, I've got this thing. You want, do you want to buy it? Do you need this thing? And uh, like this guy on, on LinkedIn said, don't be a douchebag. Don't be, that's not how you do things now. And I think it get it also ties back nicely to what you were saying earlier. You know, it's, you, you can't, drive your own agenda always it doesn't work like that anymore you've got to come at things in a different way i agree yeah so we've been i can't believe it's an hour <laughs> uh it's been uh, it's been awesome uh, talking to you what would you say in closing rob or, or what would you say to people who are trying to get on top of this qualification discovery, that part of the business? Well, we're not calling it qualification, by the way. We're calling it discovery. <laughs> what what advice would you give people who are who are struggling with this? I get good at it because you win more deals, and and even more, you win more of the right deals yeah um and if, if if we were to pick one word it would be curious yeah curiosity be curious yeah build, build that uh, curious curious muscle and would there any anything you want to say anything else you want to add to, to the listeners out there any pearls of rob bruce wisdom um uh no no, I think we shall we shall leave it there. And thank you very much for involving me. Um, I've enjoyed that tremendously. Yes, no, thank you very much, uh, Rob, for being on my show. I will publish it and let the world know about how to do a proper discovery call virtually. Thank you. Pleasure. Cheers.